As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It was unbelievable how you hacked me, hypnotized. I knew from that moment. KCAA A Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. I'm Tom Busby, CNBC. No government shutdown. The House and Senate both passing a stopgap spending bill that runs for the next two weeks and which will now go to the president for his signature. That prevents a government shutdown this weekend. A surging stock market, skyrocketing home values, and the lowest unemployment rate in 17 years added up. And the Fed says the collective household net worth of all Americans is now a record high, $97 trillion. Today on Wall Street, the Dow 70 points higher, the Nasdaq up 36. Jobless claims dipping lower last week, but there were more planned layoffs in November, most of them at retailers. The date has been set for the Justice Department's trial against AT&T over its planned acquisition of Time Warner, March 19th. And one Ivy League school may have just gotten more affordable. Brown University said it's replacing all student loans with scholarships in its financial aid packages next year. Tom Busby, CNBC. Attention small business owners, you know how hard it is to get funding to grow your business. Next Wave Funding is a direct funder that can help you get the cash you need when you need it, even if your credit is not that great. If you've been in business for over one year, have at least $12,000 in sales every month, Next Wave will purchase your future earnings and give you the money you need. It's as simple as that. This is by far the easiest and best funding for existing businesses. Call 800-430-4566. That's 800-430-4566. It's time for some straight talk. You have their unlimited plan. So why do you keep running out of high-speed data? Never run out again with Straight Talk's new Ultimate Unlimited plan. Get all the 4G LTE data you want, all high speed, and all for just 55 bucks a month on America's largest, most dependable 4G LTE networks, only from Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Video typically streams at DVD quality. Please refer always to the latest terms and conditions of service at straighttalk.com. NBC News Radio. I'm Tom Roberts. Minnesota Senator Al Franken will resign in the coming weeks. The embattled Democrat has been under intense pressure to step down over numerous accusations of sexual misconduct. He spoke on the Senate floor today. Some of the allegations against me are simply not true. Others I remember very differently. The House is approving a stopgap spending measure to continue funding of the federal government for two weeks. The government is set to run out of money late tomorrow night. Firefighters in Southern California are getting a break from Mother Nature. Winds are calmer than expected today as crews battle major fires in Ventura and Los Angeles counties. A federal judge in Michigan is ordering former USA Gymnastics Dr. Larry Nasser to spend 60 years in prison for child porn. The 54-year-old Nasser received the maximum sentence today for possessing thousands of images of child pornography. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 71 points today. Tom Roberts, NBC News Radio. This is Dick from Carpet Masters. Carpet Masters has been serving the Inland Empire for over 60 years. We are locally owned and operated by the Stevens family. 
We not only clean carpet and furniture, we clean many loose rugs, including oriental rugs. Oriental rugs are cleaned in our modern facility where the fringes are cleaned by hand, then hung in our modern facility to dry. We do not use steam cleaning to clean your fine furniture. Furniture is cleaned by hand using the same absorption cleaning used in the White House. Some furniture we bring into our plant to clean properly. We normally use two men on each cleaning job using the extraction method. There is nothing that would clean carpet better for our customers. Our job is to clean properly with quality first. Google Carpet Masters San Bernardino and give us a call or go to carpetmasterssocal.com. KCAA Loma Linda, your CNBC news station for the Inland Empire. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the greatest real estate investment show ever. Here's the flip-flop investor himself, Todd Bayer. Hey everyone, welcome to the Flip-Flop Investor Show. I am your host, Todd Bear, the flip-flop investor himself. Uh, every week we get together and talk about real estate investing here in the Inland Empire, uh, pretty much anywhere in California if we're uh, investing in real estate. Uh, every week we get together and talk with a local expert or another local uh, investor, talk about what they do in real estate. And today we have a very special guest, Robert Fragoso. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome, yeah. Um, Robert, you've been investing in real estate for a while. 20... 7, 28 years now? 27, 28 years. That's a, it's a good long career. You got- <laughs> it's a long. I love when people ask me, like, hey, how long do you think this is going to last? I'm like, I don't know. I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll let you <laughs> know when I stop. <laughs> right. Uh, what, how'd you get started? Because I know you were like, when you were, because you were a young kid when you got started. I was, I was 17. I was a senior in high school at the time. I met a guy, um, oddly enough, sitting at a Burger King, you know, okay. and uh, he had all these uh, like flyers out. One of them said, bye. You know, houses with no money down, and I thought, well, you know, seventeen, and well, crap, I don't have any money, so yeah. I can probably do that. And uh, it turned out he was a like real estate guru that was putting on a seminar teaching retirees how to invest their, basically their their um, their retirement income or creating other income through. At the time, they were buying properties subject to, and then doing an AITD, wrapping the note and making the spread for income. Okay, AITD, that's the jargon flag where AIT is all inclusive trust deed. Yeah, so it's basically a, a um, someone sells you a property. And uh, they carry back a note, and the note is a slightly higher interest than what their principal loan would be to the loan or to the bank, and uh, they make the spread. Yeah, which and, is now pretty much difficult to do after the uh, Dodd Frank uh, Dodd Frank yeah. passed, you know, back in two thousand seven. Yeah. So. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so we started doing those. Um, you know, the they can. Uh, Back then, they were just, I mean, it was kind of an interesting market because it was almost like 2008 yeah. where they were just coming into a, or coming out of a depression or a recession. recession yeah. And um, I mean, it was, I found it really interesting that so many people were willing to just like, give me the keys and the deed to their house. And yeah. they're like, yeah, go ahead. It's great. And, you know, the guy who had taught me, uh, he said, well, you got to get them to like paint the house. So the people would okay. literally like, we'd buy the paint and they would do half of the remodeling for us. Like, you know, like painting the house and either ripping out the carpet and what have not. And then we would just come in and put new carpet. So it was pretty, pretty genius on his part. I like it. I mean, but I've heard of people doing like cash for keys. Right. Where, you know, before they leave, they got to clean up and stuff like that. And they right. can't have trash laying all over the place and old furniture and tires, right. whatever, you know. Right. So, so, I mean. Similar concept. But making them paint also. That's kind yeah, of. He a, made know. him paint. He's like, we'll buy the paint. You guys just have a party and paint. And so, you know, paint inevitably paint. you always had to go back and, and really trim it out because they did a really crappy job. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know? And, uh, but you know, that's how I got started. And then shortly after that, you know, the market was where it was at. So I, I, um, I started syndicating apartment buildings Okay. and uh, figured out a, some different techniques after reading a few books on marketing. And uh, so we managed to get long-term tenants when there was a time where there was about 15% vacancy rate. It was when like Boeing and all the uh, military bases had shut down. Yeah. And so there was a like net negative migration to California. Right. And, you know, we could buy these apartment buildings for next, next to nothing. I mean, we picked up, I, remember, I still remember one because it came back around. Uh, we bought it for 225,000, 16 units, wow. like 16,000 square feet, three stories, elevator, all two bedrooms wow. in Long Beach where there's no rent control. We paid $225,000 for it. Uh, we did, I thought, 
phenomenally well and, and sold it for 680. Wow. Uh, it came back around uh, when I was doing hard money and it came back at a million six and they thought it was a steal of a buy. Yeah. Worth two point something, you know, is what they thought. And I'm like, I just can't do it. Just, yeah. yeah. It's just, just out of principle. I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> what kind of rents were they getting on a, on a, on a building in Long Beach? So we were, we were getting about four fifty a, a door. Okay. Yeah. 16 units. Okay. Yeah. Pretty good. That's, that's a good gap rate right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, no, there was, it was, I was, so my formula for buying back then is that if it was, uh, I wasn't even looking at the cap rate. If I couldn't buy the building for less than three times gross. Okay. I wouldn't, I'd pass. Interesting. And okay. So, so it was three times the annual income mm-hmm. or less. Yeah. And that was, that was it. Basically we're going to be able to pay off the building in three years, assuming you had no maintenance costs or right. anything like that. Right. So three years gross. Yeah, and that's we, your maximum purchase price, and, and part of the syndication was so we didn't carry any debt. We just bought everything free and clear. Okay, um, but we bought it with our investors, and then we had a share of the profits for the management and basically equity that we we would bring in. We'd get our percentage for whatever cash we brought in as well. Yeah, so we could go real high level real quick for uh, and talk about how you how you would how, like how would you structure the profit sharing on a on a syndication on an apartment building like that. So. Because our investors weren't looking for as high of a return as the buildings were getting, and we came in with cash as well, mm-hmm. we were able to take 50% of the income okay. and the equity, and they got the other 50%, and they came in with about 80% of the funds. Okay. And so they came in with that, and then the beauty of it is when you're buying these buildings that have a lot of vacancy is that since you're not carrying a debt, there's no... I mean, there's always the rush because you want to get the investor as much money as, as they can make because sure. then, you know, they refer more people and invest more, but... Uh, Ultimately, what would happen is that we we did we got frustrated and a little. This is like kind of our first, you know, attempt at being you know apartment building moguls and <laughs> and um, we figured out how to get long term tenants after having gone through. We're like, okay, great. We remodeled the building. It's beautiful. We're getting top dollar for it at the time. And then come sixty days later, your first set of evictions go. And so the problem was in that time when you have that high vacancy rate is in order to attract people, you have to do first month free, last month free sure. with a, like a, a two-year lease or something like that. And there's what we called hoppers. And basically, you know, they would just jump from unit to unit. And, hmm. you know, and, and basically they leave before you actually file the eviction. So they never have an eviction on their record. Yeah. And so because, you know, if you check them and what have you, but they once they leave, nobody wants to spend the money to continue with the eviction from someone that you know you're getting no money from. Right. And so um, so they just kept doing that over and over again. So we figured out that we had to first go see how they were living and how long they had lived. And we basically had door knockers that went and started door knocking other buildings and saying, hey, we have this new remodeled thing. You know, how long you've been here? If they looked like they had been there for, you know, five, six, seven years, then, you know, we would we would hmm. basically give them an application, said, hey, you're welcome to come over here, no deposit. At that point, you didn't really have to offer the first and last month free. It was just no deposit. Huh. And they were getting out of a crappier unit into a new unit that had new appliances and everything else, and it was kind of a win-win. Then when they door knocked on someone else who said, oh, yeah, hey, look, we're totally interested in it, and the guy sitting on a lawn chair has a TV and a cooler, <laughs> we're like, that, guy's, that guy got a red flyer, but it was just kind of, like we knew, yeah. So when they would call, to him. yeah, we we knew that they they were they were hoppers because that's that's how they lived. Yeah. So okay, I like it. I, I, it's a great structure. Are you guys still buying that way? No, no. Now, now, I mean, I haven't really done apartment buildings. I'm starting right now to develop some apartment buildings. I think mm-hmm. there's uh, there's some plays there if you can buy it right and uh, structure some scenarios. And some of the structures that we're doing now is we'll partner with the owner of okay. the existing property, and then we'll build out the units and come in with either the cash or the loan or the financing for it and, and figure out what structure makes sense for everyone from that standpoint. So, okay. you know, a, a seller who might be able to sell at a part, let's say a, like one of them is a um, house is probably worth seven fifty, you know, uh, in its current, maybe 700 in its current condition, mm-hmm. uh, repaired, fully rehabbed. It might be worth 900, but it needs a solid 150 in work. Sure. Um, but yet if we tear it down and build either, you know, I, I think we, there's two options for that particular one. We might do what we call a double duplex, which is uh, like two large duplexes. Okay. Uh, essentially have four units on the property. Uh, I think that might be worth as much as 2.6. So I had 2. I mean, conservatively, sure. I think maybe even 2.2. 2. 
yeah, is a safe number, but we're, we'll spend seven fifty building it. You're obviously in like Orange County, LA County, doing something. Right. Maybe San Diego doing that. You're not having, right. that's not happening in the Inland Empire, but <laughs> no, no, no. But there, there's probably some opportunities for for some of that here. Sure, um, not those price, not at those, not, price, not, not at those price points, right? <laughs> but but there are probably people who can develop out there and maximize the the best use, basically, of the property. Yeah, and that's kind of what we look. So in this one, this particular one, we went in thinking we were going to be able to get maybe fifteen units. Okay. Or 12 units on this land. It was kind of the fallback. Yeah. And after you weigh the costs, you know, yes, there's more money and there's more equity in those. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a big fan of having an exit strategy and multiple exit strategies mm-hmm. because you never know what happens with the market and what have not. Sure. So um, I, I think I think we're about 90% to do the double duplex on this one. Uh, it won't obviously resell for as much, but we'll get done quicker. And, and the, the real kicker for it is that the seller of this one, they want to cash out sooner than later. Okay. And and so we can build the duplexes and be in and out you know, within a year. Hmm. Uh, whereas with the units, it's probably more like a two-year project. Right. Um, not just in that the approval process for the, you know, multi, for the multifamily is longer because you've got a three-story plus structure. Sure. Um, but also because... What happens is that, you know, in the city, this is in the city of L.A., if you go commercial, there's seven inspectors that you have to deal with. Hmm. And if you do under four units or less, there's one inspector. So your process and everything costs for managing that is significantly less. L.A. loves their inspections. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's and I, I, you know, a lot of people don't like them. I, I think they're pretty business friendly. Yeah. So, I, you know, we do, we do a fair amount. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A lot of stuff in LA. Yeah. Um, you know, even from back in the hard money line. Oh yeah. We did, we did a lot of, a lot of uh, new construction and adding on and, and those type of loans. So is your goal always to go in, build and then sell, or do you, you go in and, and build and then hold long term or is it kind of dependent on uh, the So I'm what? just now starting to do the development stuff again for the apartment buildings. Yeah. Uh, the play I think is, I mean, this is really for even with the owners that you've partnered with. I think that, what you're trying to do is figure out what works for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I always say up front is like, listen, we have, this is an exit, right? An exit is we get the plans all approved. Um, once it's all done and approved, then we can put it out in the marketplace if we want to exit then and just sell it as a, a, a ready to start building, yeah. ready to issue type pro, uh, uh, yeah, project. Break, break ground basically. Right. And for projects that take a year to get approved, there's an inherent value that is built there already right. uh the second step is let's build it out right yep. and if we build it out what's it worth there and, and there's an exit to sell mm-hmm. and there might be an exit also you know where we say wow this is just crazy cash flow yeah let's just keep it and so we try to proforma everything out for what we think we're going to do on a cash flow basis with the intent of trying to keep it with the with whoever we partnered with yeah uh but you know the reality is that somewhere along the line life events happen for some people and you know it's nice to have these other exits that are still profitable yeah so that you can get out and and make more money so it gives it gives kind of the opportunity for some homeowners to be able to say hey you know what all right i get my house is worth this mm-hmm. but it might be worth this if the zoning is right you know and even in areas like this a lot of times what happens is you get um sellers that have properties that need work mm-hmm. right and we're consistent you know on the remodels we're the top usually the top comp yep um, because of what we do to the properties. And it's not just, you know, we're not paint and carpet type people. We're, right, yeah. We really try to make it a yeah, lifestyle them, type of... Not leaving them with a bucket of paint anymore. Or they, no, they that, those say, days are gone. Yeah, just that paint it, you know, then we'll sell for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah. Those days are gone, yeah, okay. Um, so 
All right, we were kind of talking about what how you got into real estate. So you were doing yeah, apartment syndications, so, then you got then you, you obviously shifted gears. Yeah, at some we, point uh, we were doing the apartment buildings. Uh, we were still doing some flips. So we've always done flips throughout the whole time. Yeah, and uh, I was flipping some properties. Uh, the apartment buildings just sucked up a lot of time. Yeah, I figured out I didn't want to be a property manager. You know, <laughs> so we hired other property managers. Um, most of the buildings we ended up selling off. I had a partner at the time, and uh, he went off to do other things in in Nevada. And uh, I, I didn't want to move to Vegas at all. <laughs> so yeah. stayed in California. I love, love the weather here. It's just fantastic. And hmm. so I um, uh, started just flipping more, started trying, trying to flip more houses. Yeah. Some of the investors that we had worked with um, had always made money with us. So uh, they just said, well, what do you want to do next? And, and at the time, we were also wholesaling some properties because, you know, I was 20, I don't know, 23, 25 years old. I forget exactly how old I was yeah. by then. And, um, but we, met a lot of the investors because we would tie up these properties and then sell them off. And so we got a reputation for that. And uh, I thought, well, why don't we just start lending to them? Because at the time we were referring all of the business out to another hard money lender. Yeah. And that created the opportunity to start lending. And then I met my partners at Anchor because they had more money than deals and I had more deals than money. Yeah. And so it was just kind of a good, a, a good kind of Match up. It's a good partnership. Yeah. yeah, it was a good partnership. <laughs> and you did so. You were, you were with Anchor Loans. You were doing that for yeah. We started it in '98, I think, is when we formed, and then I left in 2014. So it was that seven, sixteen, seventeen years. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good stretch. Uh, and you guys were, I mean, you guys were a pretty big dog on the on the street. We for were. Sure. We got to be the largest fix and flip hard money lender in the country. In the country, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. I've ran the Cal- the California numbers, but yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys were definitely the uh, the gorilla in the room when yeah. you know whenever you guys were present. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but doing I mean fix and flip loans that's you know it's a very specialized thing. I think there's only about eighty lenders in California that do it. Yeah, there there's there's uh it's very specialized. I think a lot of people because you have to have your lender hat on versus your investor hat on. Right. And there's a, a much different way of looking at it when you have a fiduciary responsibility to the investors and you're looking at how they're lending. And a lot of it is also to the clients, although they don't see it at the time. Because what happens is that, you know, it's very easy to think that a deal is a deal. Yeah. And you look at it and you say, okay, well, I, I can fix this up for 35000 and sell it for, you know, two hundred and Fifty thousand, sure. and really, it's going to sell for two thirty, and it's going to cost you seventy, yeah, or sixty five, because you know they just, you know, you walk through really quickly, and it's like, oh yeah, we can get this done, yeah. Well, that's all the profit, and so when there's no money left in the deal, then you really shouldn't do the deal. Yeah, it's not a deal anymore. It's just a house you're buying and renovating for, you know, for your own goodwill. It's I a guess. hobby. It's a hobby at that <laughs> point, hobby, right? Yeah. Now, listen, a lot of people got saved because of the market. The market took off. Sure. And they end up making money, and then everyone's a genius in an up market. <laughs> right. It's the people who can make money on a down market that that are the real, like investors, I would call them, versus the speculators. So. Yeah, I think I think the biggest the biggest problem we ran into with lending was that we knew what we could do the property for. You know, like you know those numbers you used before. Right. You know, yeah, we could have bought it for a certain price, fixed it up for thirty five thousand, and sold it for two fifty because we know our numbers. But then you get into lending to somebody else, right? And you know they're not going to do it for thirty thousand. They think they're going to be able to do it for fifteen thousand. And you, you kind of want to give them some credit. Maybe they do have some guys. Maybe their cousins helping them. I don't know. Right. You know, you don't want to ask too many questions. But I know we'd run it. We'd get some conflict sometimes with them because we're like, look. I have to assume you're going to completely you're going to get hit by a bus on like right. after you sign the loan documents right. and we're going to fund the deal and I'm going to get stuck with this house so right, I have exactly. to figure it for how much it's going to cost me to fix and how, what am I going to sell it for right. you know yeah sometimes you have to really dial down their expectations a little bit yeah. you know which was tough but sometimes we'd end up getting stuck with the property because they did you know wet the bed a little bit yeah you know? I, I mean I got, I got pretty good at like underwriting and doing all that that was that was kind of a, a, a niche of mine yeah I think part of it was also you get a lot of borrowers and when they start getting a flow of deals is that they want to take them all and the problem is that you know they also maybe aren't the best at managing their money and yeah. so they don't realize that hey if you buy this next house you're creating your cash crunch which is going to inhibit you from finishing this second house that you bought Right. Maybe not the first one, but now that you've, you know, and then all of a sudden it creates a conflict for them and, and then they're, they're tied on cash and it takes them longer to finish because they have to, you know, draw it out right. to manage their cash flow and then they don't make as much money, yep. you know, and then they're unhappy because you, the lender, made all the money, yeah. right? And, and so, you know, a lot of that is just explaining to people like, listen, don't do that. Let's, 
or let's partner on the deal or let's do something different so that you don't put yourself in that position. And I think that's one of the reasons we were able to grow as a company as much as we did was because we weren't just trying to do loans. We were trying to just create relationships and sure. really, and, and, and when they had issues, we wanted to work with them because not only did we, you know, if, if we had to foreclose, we were going to lose a client that was potentially a good client, Yeah. but also that, you know, there was probably a better way to manage that issue than just foreclosing. Yeah. And usually it's up front because you already know what's going to happen down the road. I'm sure you've seen it a dozen times where tracking. You know, yeah, 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 it happens. You yeah. know, the people people get into the same sort of issues. There's only a few hand a handful of issues you can really run into in a real estate flip, right? You know, or a house flip, right? And you know, usually it's going to involve personnel like the contractors. You know, not finishing the job or doing it up to the right quality. Uh, you know, you're going to run into problems with them running out of money, like you just said, right. <laughs> which you know that happens a lot. Happens a lot because yeah. people definitely underestimate how much they're going to need to spend and how much they need to have as sort of just a contingency fund to pull from. Right. So now that's one of the things if, if, if you know, like a lot of real estate agents, they bring me their deals. Yeah. Um, in fact, most of the properties that we're buying are, are off market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's either a real estate agent that was trying to get a listing that either might not get the listing, but sees the potential upside in the property. And then they bring us in to, yeah. to, to help them kind of figure out how to inject themselves into the deal. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's a joint venture with the agent and the seller. Sometimes it's a joint venture with just the agent. Sometimes it's we just buy it and, you know, they can either, you know, list it or do whatever. Something, yeah. Um, but it is, it is, there's usually a way to figure out a win for everyone involved. Sure. And, and I think that that's the way you keep yourself uh, uh, certainly busy, but also, you know, out of lawsuits and so forth when you're Correct. trying to not necessarily take advantage of people. I mean, I, I've seen... I've seen over my years people buy properties and I'm like, man, you, you could have paid 200000 more and then they end up in the lawsuit because the family was like, hey, you took advantage. Yeah, over abuse. Right. And, and there's just no reason to do that. I mean, you can make a fair living being fair with everyone and everyone's happy and, yeah. and, and it works out really well. So That's kind of how we found it. You know, like over time, you know, there, there was a time there we were trying to get like a really good deal sometimes, but... It's just, it's so much easier to get the deals if you if the agents you work with the people you always work with know that you're always offering your best offer first. Right. You know, so we're always just our highest and best offer first. We don't even bother trying to lowball or do anything else right. like that. It's just this is the best we can do. Right. You know, and it's like if you don't like it, no problem. We'll just you know move on to the next one. It's not a big deal to us. But you know, some people they get like married to a deal. You know, and <laughs> they, yeah, I, they're I, like I, I got to make this thing work, man. I need that five thousand dollar wholesale fee or whatever <laughs> they're trying to get. Yeah. Well, see, I don't worry about. I'm, we're wholesaling nothing, yeah. you know, and, but what I do is I look at the transactions like, okay, this is my buy price, right? This is my, like, this is my buy price if we're going to fully rehab it. Mm-hmm. This is my buy price if we're doing a light play and we're going to get out sooner, but yield wise is relatively the same. Yeah. Um, and so, and then the next thing is, okay, well, let's bring the, either seller or the agent into the deal and see how we can create either more equity that way for everyone. And maybe that's sometimes a deal. Um, I'd rather make less money on a safer deal mm-hmm. than, you know, more money on a deal that has more risk. Yeah. And so I think that that's a, a safer play for a lot of people, which which doesn't always have the mindset. A lot of people just, they uh, want to make all the money. And, sure. you know, a lot of those people end up very broke sometimes when <laughs> the market changes. And so... I think, you know, a lot of people, they get into this industry and, you know, we're sort of, we're Americans, right? So everything has to be done. Like, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Right. Everybody kind of gets in with this me, me, me attitude and everybody wants, like, the deal. It's their deal and they want 100% of the profit to come from it and they have this hard time letting go pieces of it, you know, and especially, like, you know, you don't have to put in all your money because you're you're not leveraging your money properly if you're doing it all with just your cash. Like, if, if you have 300 grand and you can buy one house at a time, I mean, do it as a hobby, I guess, but... You know, for people that want to take this business seriously as a business, you have to, you have to start kind of shaving pieces off and giving right. it to other people. Otherwise, you're never going to get any volume. Well, even if they're using like their own cash, and let's say they have limited cash, yeah. You know, one of the things that and I think is an error that a lot of investors, flip investors, make is that they look at their cash and they like, okay, well, we're going to make X amount of dollars in this house, and that's giving me this yield. Yeah. And the way I think they should look at it is that they take their cash and they lend themselves the money, mm-hmm. right, at X amount of dollars or percentage or whatever, because the actual flip requires a lot of work product. Yeah. The actual cash and the injection of that cash doesn't require as much work product. So, But you're entitled to that anyway because you could just be an investor in somebody else's property yeah. and make that money. So for all the extra work product, that's how you gauge whether that's a deal or not. Yeah. So even when we're, we're like, if I'm paying cash for a property, even if you do that, 
you sit there and you look at it and you say, okay, I could lend this out at 10% all day long, right? Yep. And be at a lower risk level, right? Yeah. And just be in first position and be done and not make it, 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 and it, so then the aggregate excess profit that comes from it is what the deal is actually worth in my eyes. Yeah, because that's the money that's being made on managing the contractors and all the other stuff that people don't think about. You know, they think every everything's like an HGTV flip program. It happens you know? in 30 minutes, man. Yeah, exactly. 30 You're minutes, done. you know. You, just bought, you bought it easily. This guy just, <laughs> Tarek just picked up the phone and some agent gave him a deal. Yeah, they gave a deal. Does he even show that part of it? I've watched that show They, like they don't. Time. I got a call from, uh, uh, I think it was his father-in-law or his ex-father-in-law yesterday. Um just and they, they they basically cold call right they, yeah. so they cold call all the agents and, and say hey do you have any fixtures that are coming up and and that's a technique and they they drop you know the kind of the flip name and tariff yeah. name and everything and just great I mean I would do the exact same thing if if, if I were him sure. <laughs> so that's that's a very smart way to start getting more properties yeah and that's you know cold calling man that just sounds like a beat that I do not want to be a part of no well I mean but they're at least cold calling well in my case it was agents I'm sure there's a bunch of people they call, yeah, right. yeah. They, uh, I mean, they haven't called us, but <laughs> we actually just had in our last monthly meeting, uh, we had uh, an HGTV show star from Vintage Flip, Jesse. Oh, Jesse yeah, I know Jesse. Jesse's awesome. I yeah. like I've known Jesse for years. We met at uh, at the Five Star Conference once uh, in uh, it was probably two thousand six or two thousand. Yeah, seven, something like that. He's been Dallas. doing it a while now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. I just, I just chatted with him. In fact, I was talking to him about doing some of the YouTube stuff as well. Oh, okay, yeah, because you know he talked about that too. He right. was talking about their. He brought his whole film crew in and everything. They were, they were there filming him doing the interview, which we filmed it too. But you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't think he knew that we were filming it. That was so. That's why he brought his own crew in. <laughs> we're like, we can that's easily good. give you the footage, but yeah, he's a yeah. good guy. I like, I like Jesse. Yeah, he was. It was a fun interview for those people that missed it. You know, <laughs> we're, we'll have that up soon so you can watch the interview. But it was. Oh, okay. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, not to not to you know take away from Robert or anything, but <laughs> yeah, my stuff sucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, you got some. You got a lot of creative ways of doing it. So um, I was going to ask you: like, are any of your exits they ever involve like short-term rentals, things like Airbnb stuff, or anything like that? Um, I think some of the longer-term development deals we used to. Mm-hmm. We don't now because I'm not I'm not doing the longer-term like single-family place. Yeah. But the higher end stuff, you know, what you could do is you can you, basically, if you know it's going to take, like, and this is really the, that $2 million plus price point. Mm-hmm. If you know that you're going to be in the deal and the approval process is going to take you roughly a year, then you can pseudo rehab the house as long as it's in fair condition. Yeah. Almost IKEA. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Furniture or, you know, Wayfair or whatever. Yeah, Wayfair. And uh, you Airbnb it, and that manages the, the debt service for those properties. And you're usually still profitable. Yeah. For that time that it's taking the duration to get those plans approved. So on those cases, you're probably doing something like on the coast where you've got a beachfront house or something. It could be. I mean, just think about it. So this is the interesting, because I thought the same yeah. thing initially. I'm like, well, this would never work. Um, people fly in for conferences yeah. all the time and companies fly in and sometimes they have multiple sales reps 
and the conference could be in like Whittier or the Montebello, whatever, whatever yeah. it's at. Just near a hotel uh, somewhere. Or people visiting <laughs> yeah. their family. And, you know, you might not have it rented for all 30 days, but certainly you're going to have it rented for probably 12 out of the 30 days yeah. if you're on Airbnb or, and what's the other side of VRBO? Yeah, Verbo. Yeah. And so um, I, I think that that's a great technique if the city allows it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, you got to check with your local municipalities yeah, there. But if it, the standard flips, you know, you're in and out so quickly, and goals to be in and out in four or five months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it's a light fixture, you can usually get out sooner than that. Condos are super quick. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, for the things that we completely rehab, I mean, we're in and out four or five months, I think. Yeah. Yeah. From bell to bell, basically, purchase to yeah. sale. Right. Yeah. That's about right. Funding but to average. Funding to pay off. Yeah. And uh, on those on those types of structures, the uh, you guys have obviously multiple construction crews that are out there doing these things. And do you guys employ them, or do you do you just like hire a general and he handles the? Uh, so we, it, it's a combination. I mean, it's 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 there's some guys that we do regularly mm-hmm. um, that can fall under a license that like I've, I've got an associate that has his contractor's license. Okay, um, I let mine expire in two thousand one. <laughs> I need to go and like renew it. Well, I actually, I need to. Can't even renew it now. I just have to go through. The yeah, process. you have to get it. You have to actually get yeah. licensed um, for the construction, which I think I'll probably do in the next ninety days. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's helpful. It's helpful for um, a lot of not just even just if if nothing else in negotiating with other contractors when they know your license. Oh, okay. Um, you just get better deals because you know they know that you know the numbers. Yeah, I was kind of wondering like what the what the benefit would be to getting your contractor's license. It, 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 it's it's I mean you get better discounts. Of course, yeah, because um, you can get the wholesale lines and stuff. Right. Um, you also can, um, when you're negotiating with like other trades, like let's say if you bring in subs for electrical or plumbing and what have you, um, when they know that you know and that you could just do it, mm-hmm. then they tend not to charge you the retail rates. Right. Above, you get a bit of discount above just having been an investor where you would give them repeat business. Right. Um, because they can explain things to you. They know that you know, hey, this is what it's going to be. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges for contractors when you're out there and you're dealing with the retail world and just the mom and pops who want to um, you know, fix up their house is that they don't quite understand the process of it. And so when you're fixing up a house, sometimes you know, the homeowner is going to look at something like, well, you know, hey, you need to, like, like that joint isn't, you know, you didn't miter that well and you need yeah. to redo that joint. And we're like, you're not going to see anything once it's filled and painted. Right. It's going to be perfect. And, but for them, it's like, well, why couldn't you just make it fit perfectly? <laughs> the first time, yeah. Well, you could, but you're going to pay, you know, somebody now $120 an hour for their skill set as a yeah. cabinet maker instead of somebody you're paying $20 an hour for. Yeah. To, yeah. to measure twice and cut once. Right. <laughs> right. And so once you explain the cost difference, for them and some listen there's houses where you need that talent right because oh sure it's a it's it's a it's not a painted wood it's a it's a either gonna be a stained wood or something and you can't have any gaps. gaps yeah it's gotta be perfect um you know and those guys get paid for their talent you yeah know? and and but if you're doing a house that's two hundred thousand dollars or you know you really you have to keep the cost down and that's the investor side of it yep that a lot of contractors like working with and when you're a contractor and an investor and, and they know that you you know then they make it much easier for you, and, the, and it's reflective on the, on the pricing of the Yeah. So, okay. And then also, when you're dealing with the like suppliers, people like that, do you guys buy in bulk, or do you uh, just kind of buy it on a one-off basis? Um, you know, so it's interesting. I, I buy. There's a few things that we buy in bulk, but not a lot. Most yeah. of the things are one-off. Um, we're trying not to do the same thing to every house over and over again. Okay. So what we try to do, you know, like a lot of the bigger shops that are invest, investors. They have the one look, and it's in all of their houses. So the yeah. problem is that when you do a neighborhood and you pick up, you know, four or five houses in the same neighborhood, right. You've just replicated the exact same house, <laughs> which might be okay in some in some areas, right? Sure. Um, we try to figure out what the right thing is for that house and what the buyer demographics. We spend a little bit more time up front, yeah. But that is one of the reasons that we can like re- really max out the value, sure. And it's not even a, a hey, we're pushing value. We're getting multiple offers at or above asking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd say better than 90% of the projects that we do because we've taken the time up front to analyze it and figure out what we should do. And, yeah. and so, you know, I mean, it, it's everything from, okay, is our buyer 
a move up or move down buyer, right? Is it a younger demographic, older demographic? Mm -hmm. And that goes into play as to exactly how you're going to fix up the house and what you're putting into it. Yeah. So it's, 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 um, that a lot of times I think is a step that is skipped by most investors. Sure. Um, most of them, they just look at the comps and it's like, okay, we're going to do this. Yeah. I still see people doing stuff that I did 15 years ago <laughs> that I'm now tearing out. Yeah. Because, you know, it, but it's, it is, uh, it just depends on what the mindset is. I mean, there's there's a house that we're getting ready to sell right now in, um, what is it, La Habra. And there's comps that are selling very high, and there's some that are, re there's one that's rehabbed. Okay. And, and I, you know, I, I just told the broker that is going to be listing that house. I said, we need to walk that house because they've dropped the price something like forty or $50,000 already. Oh, wow. Um, they paid high for it. And, I mean, you can just tell by the numbers they're going to lose money on it. And... It's still not selling. So what, why isn't that selling? Mm -hmm. I just look. I look at the pictures. And I immediately, it has like the house has no soul. It's just it's it's like very floor, very wall, and it's just blah. Yeah. And so that's one issue. But the other things that I might not be able to tell are like how's the floor plan? Did right. Do anything differently? I mean, it's just you know, and that you need to see. But our homes, um, I think this is the way I judge it. How quickly we're going to get a lot of offers? Yeah. Is you know how long the people stay at our open houses? Um, we have like the last, the last one that just paid off. I remember the open house because the, the, the broker called me and said, uh, she's like, it's crazy. I should have had more people here with me. Uh, they got a hundred groups of people through. She had 75 flyers and hmm. went through all of those and there's still people coming in. And she said, but the interesting thing was that like very few people were leaving like in and out and that people were just congregating and hanging out and, and that. It looked like we're just having a party. Yeah, and um, hmm. and uh, I think she made a comment once that the uh, she said one of the kids like I guess pulled her dad and said, "Dad, why are there so many people here?" <laughs> and the response was funny because it was like, "Because well, we're going to pay over asking." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and it was it was just that type of market, and but also it was just the feel of that house it was really. I mean, I remember going and walking through, and I'm like, God, I just I just like the way it ultimately came out. Yeah, where you just want to hang out. And, and that's, I think, the tenor for a lot of the houses that I'm doing now is that, you know, with the information age and everyone's got, you know, they're on their cell phones all yep, the time, yep. is that you've lost that human interaction with people. And so the homes that are geared towards that entertainment and that interaction is creating a bigger draw for folks. So maybe instead of doing the open house, you could do like a launch party or something, you oh, know? Yeah, that's, that's, actually, that's not a bad idea. We might, we might do that. One thing we do in our house is uh, we put cameras in, like one for security, but then also it's kind of a nice little thing to be a fly on the wall when the people right. are walking through because when they go through with their agent, they're very honest. Right. If our agent's there or we're there at the property, right. they just lied right to our faces. Oh, right. loved it. Well, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like they just lie straight up. But when they're there with their agent, it's kind of fun to hear the dialogue they have with like their, you know, the spouse or with their agent. And, you know, but sometimes it actually identifies things that we might have missed. Right. You know, things that we completely mis miscalculated, you know. It's kind of like, you have to have kind of a thick skin sometimes, like thinking like, man, I really like that light we put in. Nobody likes it, you know. <laughs> so you got to go, yeah, we go in and right. change the light out because if it's an issue for everyone that's walked through it, you know. We had a house that I remember um, walking through and it wasn't selling. I hadn't walked through it yet. And I walked through with the contract because I immediately saw like two things that I thought made no sense. Yeah. Um, one, when they built the, and this is a, a, a total rookie mistake. Um, they put the refrigerator at the end. Okay. Um, was one. And then they had, and it was odd because in the kitchen, they had a window where the sink could have gone, mm -hmm. but they put the sink over one space so that it was at the wall. And I'm like, well, why'd you guys do that? Yeah. And like, I mean, it was originally here. Yeah. And, you know, his reasoning was, he's like, well, we, you know, we have to vent it. And I said, yeah, the vent doesn't have to be straight up. It can yeah. move at a 45 degree angle and then tilt up. Right. And I said, it was under the window before. Why didn't you move it? And, and it was, and so we moved it back because it just, it looked really funky. Yeah. And then we switched the, where the cabinet for the, for the um, fridge was on the left side and next to a wall to the other side. It was an open concept. Um, because one of the problems is that when you open your fridge and it's against the wall, and we had a fridge there, yeah, they couldn't open the fridge all the way, which means that you can't open any of the drawers in the in the in the refrigerator. Yeah, and so you know, <laughs> try getting to like your fruit when it's hitting the door, and people just and the problem is that when you have just things like that, 
it makes people question the entire rehab. Right. Right. And so these are two mixes that, that I think that it was a laziness factor to the contractor. Yeah. That once we corrected those two things that cost very little to change out. Yeah. Um, the house immediately sold. The other thing was that yeah, soon as you make it livable, basically, where people don't find those yeah. little issues. The one other issue was the living room was a great living room. It had a lot of windows. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I walked through it. And I'm like, hey, so you guys have the furniture all organized this way. And it's beautiful. It looks fantastic. Where are they going to put their TV? Yeah. It's always, that, was, that was like the first question my mom would always ask. She's an appraiser. So she would always like say, like, walking a house that was kind of a funky floor plan. Right. The first question she'd say is, where's the couch and TV going? Right. And you so... Know? All we did was reorganize it, right, and hang a flame, like one of the prop TVs. Yeah. And again, that was between those three things that we changed, it was it immediately sold. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people do. Like, if you do have a kind of a weird layout, to just get a prop TV or, you know, an old TV or something, just so people have an idea where that thing is going to go. Because they're going to, you know the people are buying it when they bring tape measures with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, a lot of times most people that are buying they can't, I mean, we're in the business, so we can, I, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a curse, right? Because I'm sure you do the same thing. Yeah. You walk through places, and then all of a sudden, you're instantly saying, like, oh, you know, I would have done this different, or, yeah. or you know, God, this would be so cool to just do this. I know, I can't enjoy vacations anymore. That's terrible, right? <laughs> and so, you know, but I, I do it just driving down the street, I'm like, oh, that could be a cool house, and yeah. did this. And, um, you know, but people that are walking through, and they're not in the business, you know, they can't visually see anything. They don't. Right. It, it is what it is, and that's all they see. And they don't know how to like pick the right colors or pick their. You know, and sometimes the right colors isn't like everyone wants to go white. Right. Like, and you've got a beautiful office here. Thank you. You've got a you know white on the bottom. You've got a very dark color on the top. Right? Yeah. And almost like a chalkboard. Actually, I didn't even think it looked like that until somebody told me like, like, is this a chalkboard? Can you write on it? And I'm like, I'm sure you could write on it, but it's not a chalkboard. So <laughs> please don't. That, that would be cool, right? <laughs> yeah, actually. It's not, not a bad idea. I might actually do that at some point just because you, know, you get some ideas. You want to write them down somewhere. Yeah. Why not on the wall? <laughs> yeah, there's, and there's a lot of things that when we're partnering with agents or other investors that we have a process that can be kind of go through that I go through especially mm -hmm. um, when we're starting to design the houses and what we're going to do and yeah. how we come up with what what is the next thing to do. So you know, ultimately, you don't want to, if you're in the process of remodeling a brand new house or a house that you're, is an older house, you don't want to remodel it with things that are already starting to be dated. Right. You want to pick up the stuff that when people are in, you know, if you buy something today, really you're going to sell it two or three months later. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if you're in the cusp of like, like right now where we're going into 2018, well, you know, if you're buying a house, you're probably looking at all the magazines. You're probably doing all these things. Yeah. And the 2018 looks are already out. Yeah. And so they're now looking at things. And if they walk through an open house that says, Oh wow, this is 2018 color of the year. Yeah, and they know that it's upgraded or what have you. It, I mean, it's almost psychologically, it just makes more sense and it seems to have more value because the home matches what's in magazines today instead of right. what was there even a year ago, which still is very current, but not what they're looking at right now. So that's one of the things that I think a lot of investors it's a free a freebie for you, but it's it's that a lot of people just don't do. Yeah, and I think creates a lot of value. Pick up a magazine or, you know, like I tell people to go to model homes of the new home, uh, right. new home construction because they spend all the money on all this research. Right. You know, they know what to put in these things and they stage them nicely and they do all that so you can get an idea of... I still do that. You still, yeah, me too. I, I just still, went I in, I just went in like two weekends ago because, you know, yeah, well, I'm partly, I just like walking houses and, you know, yeah. but, you know, you go and you see the new stuff, you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, they're doing this weird thing, you know, and some builders do something. They have like their signature thing that they always do. Like one builder I know put, like puts a flagpole in every single house. Right. It's kind of nice, but then you see like a whole street full of flagpoles. It's a little weird. <laughs> I do. I do. I do some of those. So we put this like we have this giant wall clock. Okay. That we put in every house that we do. And uh, you put it inside or outside? Inside. Okay. Yeah, inside the house. So somewhere it's it's like we have this gigantic wall size clock. Yeah, and uh, and most people just love it. I mean, I haven't had anyone that says like <laughs> most people like they does that say yeah because it's a cool little feature. And you got you got to put the camera on that and see if anybody's saying anything's behind your back when you're not there. <laughs> uh, if you lost it, I guess you take it but, yeah, exactly. But it's it's but most people like it, and that's just kind of just I don't know why it became like something we do. It doesn't have our name on it or anything like that. 
it's just like something we just started doing. It's like an accent wall kind of, you know, like right. just something, something to fill a space. If you have like a big wall, it would make sense. That's what I like about builders. And even like when we go to like hotels in Vegas is that, you know, all these production type companies, yeah. they figure out how to do something very, very cool at a very low cost because yeah. they have to mass do it. And that's, that's one benefit of walking through all these, these like, you know, model homes and what have you. Yeah. Is that a lot of them have the basics. You have to look past a lot of the hmm. like really upgraded upgrades. Sure. But some of the basic things that they do are, are basic things that you can incorporate into a lot of homes for a limited cost and, and, and really increase that value. Yeah. I, I've noticed a lot of the builders lately are, are starting to utilize all that dead space that's in houses like underneath stairs. You know, like there was a while where there would just be walled up. And, you know, here's like an extra place you could have a closet to store whatever. Right. And this this house we went into, I can't remember who the builder is, but, um, yeah, I mean, the this pantry in the kitchen, I was actually like, I, yeah, you kind of open it up, you think there's going to be like a little opening, it's kind of a U-shaped pantry, but, right. you know, it was a U with this hallway, and then a left-hand turn down another hallway. I'm like, where did they come up with this space? Wow, cool. Like, it was a huge pantry, not, like... I mean, I, could, I guess they're calling it like a Costco room now, you know, because all these people are going, you know, they go to Costco, they buy the big bulk packaging of, I don't know, spaghetti sauce. Yeah. yeah, where do you put all this stuff? So, you know, like me at my house, I mean, I just have like a cabinet pantry. You know, I'm not even, I don't have an actual like a little room like these things, but this was like a bedroom <laughs> pantry, you know. It was, it was a closet, you know, like a walk-in closet. Yeah, if you have the space, I mean, it's definitely something to do. I mean, a lot of the... Larger houses, you can get away with that. You know, yeah. Some of the smaller ones, sometimes it's tougher because you'd rather have more living room space or more. Yeah, more kitchen know, or something. something yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's, yeah, I don't know, good design ideas. Go walk new stuff. Go pick out the magazines. Go on like house on, you know, house.com. They're. Love house. Yeah. House, Pinterest, uh, you know, I mean, all, all of those are great resources for what's up and coming and what's good and yeah because you want to sell to the you want to sell to the buyer that's actually going to be looking to buy when you're ready to sell and right. yeah like you said they're they're seeing all this other stuff and <clears throat> if they're working with a good agent the agent's probably showing them like their dream home and then they're sort of dialing down their expectations from there because yeah this is your dream home but it's nine hundred thousand right. dollars you know this is in the affordable range here's the seven hundred thousand dollar house for example and i'm using more orange county numbers at this point but uh you know like seven hundred thousand dollars but it's got a lot of the same stuff that $900,000 house had. You know, it's got the quartz countertops. It's got, you know, that, you know, the, the custom tile showers and stuff like that. And, you know, like we've, we've talked about like what we do with some sellers. Yeah. And, but there's, a, I have a friend from high school that from a buyer perspective is, we're about to do the same thing with. They're just exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Kind of like that brother's show where they, they, they have a, here's, here's your dream house. Yeah. And she's already, she told me she's like, the houses that you're selling. Like want my house to look like that. Yeah. And she's like, uh, but here's my budget. And I said, well, you're trying to save money here at this budget. Um, let's get you something that needs work. She's like, I don't want to fix her. I said, what? She's like, well, I don't want to deal with it. I said, well, what if we deal with it? Yeah. Right? And because she, I mean, she's a friend of mine from high school, so it was someone I was willing to do that with. But you know, I started thinking about that as just a business model for a lot of the buyers that are out there, and, and we try to procure a lot of the buyers directly at times. Yeah. And um, or, and if nothing more, just to create the frenzy for the property that we're selling and that someone else can sell. And, um, you know, I think that's a good model for someone to do. I mean, even for us, if they came to us and said, hey, you know, can you find us a house that is a fixer in nature? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of deals that we pass on that just don't make sense for us as an investor, but yet would make fantastic sense for someone to live in. Absolutely. And so, you know, I have to, and that's one of the reasons I know I'm going to go back and get my contract with us. Because... <laughs> I think that there's an opportunity from that standpoint to just say, hey, here's what it is, and and test out that kind of model so someone can not just have some equity that they walk into, but also have the house that they want to have. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're actually doing one of those right now. Yeah. Where a friend of ours, you know, a friend of uh, Steve and I, you know, well, it's like Steve's preschool buddy, but like he's, you know, he wanted to buy a house in Riverside. He wanted an old house. We bought this home built in 1890. You know, he really wanted this old thing, so we're kind of doing it to what he wanted it to look like. But we did have to kind of give them some expectation. We had to say, well, let's assume you don't get the loan that you think you're getting, you know, and we got to sell this house. Like, because we're not going to keep it for you until you can get qualified for some reason. Obviously, he's going to get qualified. But, you know, like, worst case scenario, we have to be able to sell it on the open market. So we can't make it too custom, you know, but we've made it, you know, like to a nice house to his specifications. Oh, see, I was just going to do it where they can either get a 203K type loan or a 203K type yeah. loan. And so they're buying it up front. Yeah. 
and then we're just fixing it up for them. So that way, it's it's, not a, bad idea. it's it's a very similar thing, but their ultimate long-term financing, the risk is, because the problem is if we've got to take it down, then I need the margins to be able to pay for all of the closing costs twice, mm-hmm. the commissions twice, right? Right. You've got to do the rehab and still make the profit and mm-hmm. and get paid for just, you know, for also taking on the all that liability. Sure. So if they're going to buy it to live in, you know, all I have to do is, is figure out this is the budget, this is my profit margin. I don't mind being transparent with them because otherwise I, I don't think they're going to get someone else to do it because yeah. it's, it's, if they get, I know that if they get like just your normal um, contractor that's out there, the name of the game for most contractors is change orders, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, if they don't spend the time up front knowing, hey, you know, we rehab houses all and every day, we're looking at properties that are either anything from, Twenty thousand dollar rehab to you know a two hundred fifty thousand dollar rehab. Right. Um, you know we have a pretty good eye for figuring out like what it actually is going to need. And so once you go through that, if you know that hey this is everything, then you know you can really limit. I won't say you're going to eliminate, but you're going to really limit all of those change orders and things that come up. Yeah. And I mean, and by the way, I still get some with that a little bit. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. You, you know, there's stuff that we don't see. You're not going to. Like most people don't actually crawl up in the attic or go down the crawl space right. when we're buying, you know. But <clears throat> I think you can usually tell, you know, based upon like the, uh, you know, the way the, the floor rests and stuff. Right. There's going to be issues, and you can sort of account for it. But yeah, we don't like we don't crawl in the crawl spaces and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and now when we have change orders, I mean, it's it's not, you know, a significant right. issue that comes up. We don't, we don't usually miss anything that's very significant. Um, you know, sometimes you get. I mean, like we just had one where we're having to redo a lot of the drain lines because, you know, the lady we bought it from didn't tell us that one of the bathrooms she didn't use, she only used the other bathroom uh-huh. yeah, because that one didn't work. And then, of course, yeah. all of the drain lines that are going to that bathroom have to be replaced because right. they just, you know, if it just sits vacant for a long time, yeah, it hardens and, you know, and it's just, they're trash. Yeah. So, similar things, yeah. A lot of times it has to do with plumbing, yeah. you know, like it. But it's a minor issue. It's yeah, not a minor. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's a minor. So if you're a homeowner, that's a major thing, right? Like right. If we're on here, if we're on Jesse's TV <laughs> show, oh my gosh, this is terrible, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the reality is, we you know when you're a contractor or you're in the business, it's it's just a dollar and cents thing, and yeah. it's going to cost, you know, in, in this case, it might be an extra fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Right? So it's not going to make or break anything. No. And and and. Uh, you know, it, it'll still be a good deal. And so you, you can sell it. it, you can sell it. Now it's a right. new plumbing. <laughs> you know? Right, it's a plus. <laughs> yeah, it is a plus, because yeah. especially if you get into an older home, a lot of people are concerned getting in an older house is that there's gonna be issues related to the age of the property sooner rather than later. You know, but if you say it's got all new upgraded electrical, all new plumbing, I mean, that's a big selling point. Right. Cause those are some of the things that most homeowners probably freak out about. Well, and if they have to go through and do electrical or plumbing afterwards, it usually requires them to also open up a wall and yeah. do other things that move out for a week. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I, I live in a neighborhood where um, it's now, let's see, I think the homes are now uh, 12 years old. Okay. And they're starting to have some plumbing issues. Okay. And it was built on slabs. And I, several of my friends have had to move to, you know, like to one of the local hotels. Yeah. Um, because they have a slab leak and they've got to fix it. And, you know, it's funny because um, it, there's a joke in that like, oh, you're remodeling your kitchen because, you know, the insurance company ends up remodeling your kitchen for yeah, you exactly. because it has, you know, a slab leak that came up. And they, in his case, um, his was pretty bad because it was over the last, uh, um, we got, my kids go to year round school. And so it was over the fall break and they were on vacation mm-hmm. and the water heater burst. And, and it was the, it, well, actually, should say the water heater, it was the line behind the water heater burst. So he was gone for two weeks, and it was just flowing. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, so he got all new floor and all new drywall. And drywall, it was, yeah. It was basically he, he, was, I, he was out of his house for almost a month. Man, you know, yeah. The insurance company pays for them to stay in a hotel during that time yeah. too. That's insane. That, that that's the kind of flood you hear about. You know, where something like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he that was one. I mean, but there's uh, other neighbors that. I've had just minor things that happen, you know, and they're out for a week. Yeah. And so, you know, to your point, you're exactly right. There's an inherent value in the rehabs. Yeah. You know, um, I was looking at one today in Santa Barbara, and uh, the numbers seem a little tight because there's, like, in this particular area, 
it's getting closer to Golia. This property is not on the market. And we're trying to figure out what it would resell, but there's nothing that's been remodeled in that area that's also on a large lot that's in this square footage range. And, you know, the agents are telling us, hey, you should be able to get a million nine for it, which I just, I don't see anywhere near that. Yeah. But it's a deal at a million, like, five fifty if okay. I can resell it at that. So and that's the goal, is to sell it right. at so, so there's fixers, like homes that are, they need a lot of work. Yeah. And, you know, they're selling that 1.25 to 1.3 range. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch that are selling in that million range. Right. Right. And so... We're, they wanted a million one. I, I, I went back and I said, "Well, if we're in a million. I think it's we're good. We're good at a million, you know. But we're, million one is kind of that risk level where you could be working for free, yeah, or that could be your profit, right? So right. I don't like working for free. No. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I told them I said we'll go back and we can if they want to sell it, we can do this. If not, you know, maybe we'll just fix it up and because I do think that there's an upside to. The million uh, five, maybe. I don't think there's an upside to the million nine. I think they're just that way it's, out there. It's a pie in the sky number. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, yeah, it'd be great if we could sell for one nine, but right. you never don't want to do your deal based upon what no. could happen. No. Yeah. And so, um, so I do, I, I think there's opportunities like that. And yeah. looking at, you know, areas. And I know that as soon as I re, if we re, if we do that deal and we rehab it and we end up anywhere above a million four five, yeah, that you'll start seeing many more rehab properties. Yeah, from all those people we're gonna sell because they got that fresh comp, you know. Right. Of course, you're gonna sell your fresh and rehabbed one at one five, whatever. And then everybody else that has the outdated house thinks they're gonna get one five for it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a really it's Santa Barbara is very interesting anyhow because you have to. I mean, it, it could change yeah. from street to street. Right. You know, and um, it has a lot to do with it if you have a view or if you have usable land and 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 what happened. Proximity to all the uh, amenities in San Bar- Santa Barbara, which there are tons of great stuff going on in right. Santa Barbara. Right. But, uh, yeah, so we only have a couple minutes left. So, uh, like, is there anything you're doing? Are you doing, like, a mentorship or anything you're doing right now? Like, you know, um, I think I'm going to start doing some of the, like, YouTube videos and yeah. definitely those lines and just do some trainings. Um, uh, from a mentorship standpoint, uh, if people have deals, they can come to me. I'll, you know, come in with all the cash necessary to do the deal and do the deal together. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm kind of a big fan of, of I think, hands-on training works the best, the best, yeah, yeah. Um, versus reading something in the book. Plus, it gets it's a lot of people just have that fear of doing a deal. Yeah, and if you know, sometimes when they do it with someone who's done it a lot, mm-hmm. that uh, that it works out better for them. Yeah, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, best way probably email me or you know text me also. Um, email is Robert at a and it's the letter A and then remodeled as in past tense. Home is singular.com. All right. And uh, my uh, cell, if they want to text me, I have a like text cell number is uh, 310-345-2696. Okay. So if anybody wants to join venture, what do you do? You put up all the money and they just put up all the money. They, no, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the goal is for them to be hands on. Yeah. If it's, I mean, the scenario, you know, the percentages in scenarios usually is 50 50 if they're involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some real estate agents who's like, hey, I, I just, I don't want to be involved. I just yeah. want to make the money. Um, and that's okay too. I'll still put up all the money. We'll sure. still do the deal together. Um, depends on what the deal is, and you know we may just adjust a little bit. Yeah, but a lot of people just want to learn the business a little bit more. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. yeah, it's good to work with somebody like you because you know you have a lot of experience, and they could, somebody could bring you a scenario that you know needs needs a little expertise that you have, and you can help them probably negotiate and close that deal. Uh, which they may not have gotten because of their yeah. experience. A lot of that's what I'm finding now is a lot of real estate agents. They call me as soon as they're they don't even have the listing yet. Yeah, and they're trying to get it. But it, at the point, and this is my feeling. I've always said this is that if you don't get the listing contract the first time you meet with them, your percentages as time goes on getting that listing contract decrease yeah. tremendously. Oh, absolutely. Right, because it's usually it's it's uh, the way I see it is if someone invites you to their home to let you in. Mm-hmm. You know, they are, uh, they have already made the decision to probably do business with. Yeah. And if you're there to screw it up, I mean, really, yeah. they want to see if you're going to screw it up or not. Yeah. And, you know, if they just stay quiet, sometimes they get it. True. All right. Words to live by. Uh, that's the end of the day that we can do it today. So I uh, want to thank Robert Ferroso for coming on today. Really Thanks, appreciate sir. you coming out, man. And uh, for sure, turn in next Thursday at 4 p.m. right here on KCAA. We'll see you all next week. Take care. 
KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.